Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. For everything, for everything Indy, for everything Colts, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey alongside George Bremer. George, a very loaded show today as we are still coming off of what was the first Colts win of the season. We'll discuss now 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Is this still the Colts division to lose? There are some negatives. Right? We talked about the offensive line and Matt Ryan struggles uh, on the postgame pod on Sunday. We'll kind of dive into those. Who is more to blame for right now? The the, the struggles and the miscommunications? Is it more the offensive line? Is it more Matt Ryan? We do have a lot to discuss uh, on this edition of the pod. But let me ask you this, George. Colts get the first one of the season. Not many people saw it coming over the Chiefs. That's for sure the way the Colts played the first two weeks of the season. How is everything in the neighborhood? Are people happier the last few days? Is there a bigger smile? Does the air smell a little bit fresher uh, for the people uh, where you are? Yeah, you know, I think that's always the case, right? Winning kind of takes care of everything. I think, who was it? It was Bill Parcells. It feels like everything was Bill Parcells. Said uh, winning's the best deodorant. You know, it just covers up everything else. Uh, there's no doubt there's a more pep in the step for the for the fan base. Uh, but I think there's also a lot of healthy skepticism right now. You know, this this is a team that's been hard to figure out through three weeks. Uh, there are some very concerning issues. Uh, and I think we talked about it after the after the game live. You know, there were some really good steps forwards, particularly on defense and, and special teams. So, you know, I, I think we're going to try to spend at least a, a good part of this next hour trying to figure out just who exactly this team is. It's a great point. You're right. Winning does cure all, at least in the short term, right? Like the Monday was, was great. It's nice to kind of wake up and talk about and be positive about a team that actually won a game for the first time this season. But you are right. And that's let's just start right there, George, because through three games so far, we have seen some good with this team. We've seen some bad. And boy, 
Have we seen some ugly? So who are the Colts in 2022? Are they actually a good team? Are they a bad team? They just kind of got lucky on Sunday against the Chiefs and will not be able to back that up. A few numbers that I want to throw you away before we get your take on what kind of this Colts team is. The Colts right now are dead last, 32 out of 32 in terms of scoring offense, averaging 13.3 points per game. They are 20th in the NFL in terms of passing yards per game. Matt Ryan, out of 32 quarterbacks, is 29th in passer rating. The Colts have allowed the third most sacks so far, 12. And on the opposite side, the defense, right, we've talked about one of the areas we talked about is getting pressure on the quarterback. Well, right now they have four sacks on the season. That's tied for 28th in the NFL. So the numbers at least tell you this team is not very good. Are the numbers correct? Or maybe is there some pauses where you think this team is actually better than what the number suggests after Sunday's win? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. It almost always is a little bit of both. There's no doubt they struggled. And for two-thirds of the season, they've struggled mightily. You know, the, the Kansas City game, uh, they had some areas pick it up. The offense really struggled most of the day still till the final drive. But the defense uh, really came on strong, probably had its best performance, not just this year, but in, in several years uh, that you've seen from that defense. But it's, I think the defensive numbers are a little bit more misleading simply because uh, I think the pass rush early on, teams were doing a lot of quick game against them. You know, three-step drops, get rid of the ball. It's hard to really get to the quarterback in that situation. Uh, and then on Sunday, they only have one sack. But if you watch that game, they affected Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think they had 38% of the dropbacks. There was pressure on the quarterback, you know, so the, the the sack number itself probably doesn't tell the whole story. I think on offense, the numbers are painting a pretty accurate picture right now of where this team is. Uh, they're not blocking people. It's as simple as that. They're not getting the blitz blocked on a consistent basis. They're not protecting the quarterback. And on Sunday, they added to that by not really opening up a lot of running lanes for, for Jonathan Taylor. So uh, I think this offense right now has a lot of work to do to get to where it needs to be. Uh, I think the defense is probably better than the numbers suggest it might be. Just to get everything right, George, because we are a pod that prides ourselves in getting things right. Our great producer, Bill, pulled this up. Elizabeth Taylor was the one who said success is the best deodorant. So look at, we are going, forget just, you know, football coach speak. We're going out into the other, you know, the real world, culturing ourselves. Thank you, Elizabeth Taylor, for that tremendous quote there. She is right because, boy, the Monday mask, a lot of disgust from the first two weeks, that is for sure. You're right. When it comes to the defense, George, you're right. I think this defense so far has played better than the numbers suggest. And I think that what we saw on Sunday especially can be carried over and can be duplicated now going forward. Like I said, the pressure rate was there. Even though they only got one sack, they felt like they were in Mahomes' grill and kind of forcing him out of the pocket almost on every drop back he had. I felt like there was always some sort of pressure in the face. Defensively, the, the coverage was really tight. Stephon Gilmore had the best game of his career. You know, a lot of um, uh, even – Outside of one or two, for the most part, uh, catch and runs. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, catch tackle right there. So the defense did a pretty good job um, of limiting. And only two touchdowns to the Chiefs is a very, very impressive uh, mark for sure. Anytime you can have a defense kind of hold Patrick Holmes and co. in tight. Overall, I think this is a good team, though. I know it's looked ugly and more bad than good so far through the first three weeks. But I think this is still a good team because I think what we saw on Sunday it's a harbinger of things to come in the fourth quarter where the offensive line, if you are able to give Matt Ryan time, you saw Matt Ryan make a few throws, and you saw a few guys of those, Alec Pierce, whether it was Jelani Woods, whether it's Paris Campbell, step up and make plays when they've been asked upon. I think the one thing the numbers can't quantify, and I think it's going to help the Colts up moving forward here, is confidence. Right in the first two weeks, 
there were so many unproven players on this team that we kind of asked and were relying on to step up, and they couldn't do so. Now you have Al Pierce have his first career catch on a nice, you know, uh, pass over the middle, had that bomb down the sideline for the longest play of the day for the Colts uh, to get them off of their end zone. And then the last drive had a big catch to get them deep in the Chiefs' territory. Those are three huge catches in the situations the Colts were in where he was able to step up and make a play. Jelani Woods, his two, first two career catches, both touchdowns. The second one, obviously, really, really, really clutch. So now you are starting to see, I think, the trust uh, start to form. And I think the confidence start to build for some of these younger guys and inexperienced players that haven't been able to really make an impact before. And I do think... That is a tangible thing you can carry over now moving forward where it's kind of like, okay, we did it for the first time and kind of put everything around us and then you just go play football. I think it's going to help this Colts team be a better team moving forward. So even though the numbers, especially offensively, are very ugly so far through three weeks, I do think going forward this is a better team uh, than what the numbers do suggest. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I, I just think the biggest problem right now is the offensive line. I mean, we've talked about that really all three weeks. Uh, they're just not letting things develop, you know, everything from uh, not having time to even get a pass off, which has been happening far too often to just not having time to let to go through your reads and let guys get downfield and make big plays downfield. Uh, but I think one thing that's encouraging, you know, they've had two close games and, and one game where they really got whipped down in Jacksonville and the two close games. They've had drives in each of those games, one to tie the game in, in Houston, one to win the game here against Kansas City. Uh, and over time of that that Texans game, they go down and put themselves in position to, to kick the game-winning field goal and miss it. Uh, but that that tells you something about the offense. You know what I mean? They've only had a few chances uh, in what you would call clutch situations, and they really kind of consistently deliver. That's the one spot where they've been good. Now, you've got to be better to the first three quarters of the game. I think that's one of the big parts of it. You right. know, so, so that those kind of situations maybe pay off more often. Uh, but that part, if you're looking for something encouraging on offense, to me, that's it. The fourth quarter, even in Jacksonville, it was ugly the whole game, but what little they did move the ball mostly came in the fourth quarter. Then they got in the red zone and, and had tremendous issues. But I think in all three games, the fourth quarter's probably been their best offensive quarter. You're right. And especially too, when we're talking about like identity, like who is this team? I think it's fair to say like this team is one that is led by Matt Ryan where they're not going to give up. They're always going to be in the game. I understand the Jacksonville game, like I said, was all bad. So we throw that out. They came back down 17 points in the fourth quarter against the Texans and obviously, you know, came back against the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. They are ones where even when things are not going their way, I think you can't count this Colts team out for the most part, which is something we really haven't been able to say in a few years. Obviously, last year with Carson Wentz, this was a team that got off to a hot start and couldn't close. I do think I know it's early on in the season. But I, I do think you can call this team relatively, we'll say, clutch so far and that they kind of do tend to play their best football in the fourth quarter. Now, like you said, when it comes against the Texans, you don't want to be playing bad, bad, bad football the first three quarters. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's fourth quarter, let's turn it on. Or against the Chiefs, kind of go to sleep for two quarters in the second and third quarter. And then really, you know, outside of a driver two in the first quarter and outside of a driver two in the fourth quarter, kind of not do much. You want to be obviously continue to build and play better through all four quarters. But I will say the one thing we've consistently seen, like you mentioned, is this team playing some of its best football when it matters most when they need it. And that's something we couldn't say last year. So at least early on, that's a good identity trait for the Colts to have, that they are scrappy, they are feisty, they don't give up. And at least when the moment gets big, they've been able, in small sample sizes, to kind of come up with some big plays and answer uh, some adversity. 
Yeah, and now I think if you can just get the offensive line to kind of be more consistent early in the game, uh, I think things can turn around in a hurry. And, but that, to me, is the big key because, like I said last week, I need to see something on the field tangible before I can start talking about progress and optimism and things like that with this team. And we did. We saw a lot of things on Sunday that, that give you a tangible feeling that, that this can improve. Now I need to see it from the offensive line. They need to come out and play, put 60 minutes together of good football I think once they do that, I do think this will be a, a good football team. I'm with you, and we'll get to the offensive line here in one second, but I want to ask you this, George. Obviously, we know the Colts want to run the ball, and they've had a lot of success the last two years with Jonathan Taylor, and Frank Reich's made no bones about it. He wants to be a top-five rush team in the NFL. I think especially when you rewatch the Kansas City game on Sunday, I feel like, especially when it comes to an identity for this team, the Colts are only going to go as far as the offensive line and Matt Ryan takes them this year. They're going to obviously have to block a lot better, and they're going to need Matt Ryan to make some big throws when it counts to lead this team either early in the game to get off to a hot start or obviously finish the game to win the game. We saw that happen on Sunday. But especially when you look at last year where this team was second in rushing and John Taylor was the rushing champ and had an insanely productive year that still ended up at 9-8 and eight missing the playoffs. They still were missing that passing game element that couldn't get them over the top in terms of getting to the playoffs where they were 26 last year. This team, I think they could still run the ball well. Jonathan Taylor is, I believe, fourth in the NFL in rushing yards so far through three weeks. He'll have his success. They're going to be a good running team um, for the most part of the season. I think, though, when it comes to identity, this team is going to have to, or they're only going to go as far as the O-line and Matt Ryan takes them. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, it's a passing league. We've seen that for years now. You know, if you can't throw the ball consistently, uh, you're just not going to win big games. Eventually going to run into somebody who can uh, even even in a lower scoring games, the Super Bowl wasn't exactly a shootout. But at the end of the game, how did how did the Rams come back and win? You know, they weren't running the ball down Cincinnati's throat. They were going down there and, and getting big plays through the passing right. game and, and making plays. And we've seen that across the league every week, uh, game in and game out. You know, games are won on the arm of your quarterback. And I think that's that's what they brought Matt Ryan in here for. Uh, I think obviously what Jonathan Taylor brings is you know, an element to help that passing game out. I mean, that's, that's where they, they need to take advantage of having a guy who draws so much attention uh, and who can open things up in the passing game. And, you know, right now they're not doing that. Uh, and I think that's, it's got to change. And, and as it does, I mean, those two things are very complimentary as they start to take more advantage of, of what's there in the passing game, the holes will get wider you know, the box will get lighter for, for Jonathan Taylor. So it, I think one kind of plays off the other. Uh, and it, that's what makes me think this team has a chance to be a really good offense if they can figure out some of the communication issues that are going on because of Jonathan Taylor, because that's the element that, you know, not everybody has. And you've seen Tennessee kind of do it. You know, Ryan Tannehill, I don't think anybody's going to put him on the top of, of, of their list of AFC quarterbacks. Uh, but they've been an effective offense for the last few years because Derrick Henry draws so much attention and Tannehill makes plays when he has to. And I think that's that's kind of the blueprint for the Colts right now. Matt Ryan doesn't have to go out and throw for 400 yards, but he's got to make plays like he did in the fourth quarter Sunday when they're needed. Uh, you just got to do that more consistently throughout the game. And you even look at the last few years of this Colts team. Like 2018, Andrew Luck, they made the playoffs because he comes back and throws 40 touchdowns. 2019, obviously, Luck retires. Jacoby Sack can't lead the team throwing the ball. 2020, Phil Burris comes in, has a renaissance, especially later on in the year. They, Like you mentioned, a great complimentary offense where you're running and passing the ball really efficiently and make the playoffs. 2021, one of the best rushing teams, one of the worst passing teams, miss the playoffs. Like I said, 
it's going to have to come down to the passing game here for the Colts. They will make the playoffs. We see it just with this team alone. When they pass the ball well and have the quarterback playing well, this is a playoff team every year. When they can't get that, when they're two one-dimensional running the ball, this is a team that you could go over 500, and they had nine wins last year. They should have made the playoffs. But in the end, we see that that lack of balance, that lack of a passing attack in today's NFL come back to really bite them. Like I said, that's why they've been out of the playoffs, at least last year, um, and missed the playoffs a little bit more than not recently as well, as that lack of true uh, consistent quarterback play, which the Colts, like you said, are going to absolutely need for Matt Ryan now going forward. One of the reasons the passing game has not gotten off to a good start, George, has been the offensive line. It's been bad, frankly, the first three games. What is the issue is it fixable? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As always, like and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, George, one of the most confounding things about the Colts this season is that their biggest strength, for the most part coming into the year, has turned into their biggest weakness. The offensive line has struggled all three games, whether it's opening holes for Jonathan Taylor, whether it's protecting Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's been sacked 12 times already so far, George, just through three games, third most in all of the NFL. It's tough to play the blame game here, but we're going to do it anyway. Matt Ryan, offensive line. Who deserves more blame so far for those two units, if you will, struggling to get on the same page? Yeah, you know, one thing, the offensive line has been so bad that it makes it kind of hard to even really evaluate at times uh, because there's just been so little time on so many dropbacks that it's hard. Like, you just wonder what would have happened, you know. Uh, it's interesting, though. I go back to, you know, really week one after that first game, you were talking about Ryan didn't look comfortable back there uh, and, and that, you know, rushing things. And, and I thought that was real evident in the first three quarters on Sunday. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't want to go so far as to say he's seeing ghosts. You know, we, we had that whole thing with Sam Darnold a couple of years ago, uh, but it, it, he's definitely not confident in his protection. He's definitely not, you know, trusting that, that what's behind him is safe. And you saw, you know, we talked about how great the defense played on Sunday. I don't think it's been set enough. People talk about all the mistakes the chiefs made with good reason, the missed field goal, the fake field goal that failed, uh, you know, the, the, the fumble penalty punch. on the final drive, the fumble punt, you know, and that's there's absolutely good reason for that. That definitely, but hardly anybody mentions that both of the Chiefs' touchdowns came on short fields after Matt Ryan fumbles, and both of those fumbles were blindside hits. And that to me is when we're when we're trying to figure out is it the line, is it Matt Ryan? The fumbles, I think, are a great place to kind of start because obviously he's got to protect the ball. I mean, that's right. I talked to Marcus Brady about that on Tuesday. Uh, and he said, 
you know, first and foremost, he's got to do a better job of protecting the football. Everybody understands that he he can't continue to fumble on what it feels like every snap, every sack. I mean, uh, seven fumbles is inexcusable, George. Yeah. Three games. That's absurd for a veteran. It's, it's crazy. And it's killing this team in so many ways. I mean, on Sunday, it directly led to points. But even when it doesn't, it's still one of the many things that's making this offense inefficient because best case scenario, you're second and 17 or third and 17 or the one, you know, the one on Sunday, the first one, they didn't lose it. Jonathan Taylor recovers it, but it's fourth down and they lost like eight yards and it yep. Chiefs are that much closer to the end zone. Nothing good ever happened. I don't think I'm breaking any ground here. Nothing good ever <laughs> happens when you fumble the football seven times in, in three games. But the flip side of that is how much of that's due to protection. Obviously the end of it is due to him. Look, he's got to hold on to the ball, but at least on Sunday, both of those were blindside hits. He didn't know they were coming. You know, if you get the protection up to a standard, that's even bad instead of where it is now, they've got a, there's a gap between where they are now and, and just poor, you know, if they could do that, can you limit some of these fumbles? So to me, that's, that's the number one thing that needs to be cleared up. Yes, the pass protection needs to help everything else. Matt Ryan's fumbles have to go away uh, before this offense can can start moving forward. Because you're right, too, because this also, when we talk about the defense, how great they are, you're right. Like, this offense also, this Colts offense is not good enough to where if you give a team a short field, and they're only averaging 13 points per game. So, like you mentioned, I mean, both Chiefs touchdowns came off of short fields because of the turnovers. If you are now continuing to fumble, continue to put the ball, uh, you know, on the turf and give the opponent short fields, even if they're just converting field goals, this Colts offense is not scoring 30 points a game where you can just say, ah, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, they could survive that. They got lucky to survive it on Sunday, but we saw through the first two games, a tie and a loss. They can't survive just the fumbles alone. This offense is not good enough uh, right now, at least to, to continue to overcome that. I know we love to play the blame game and, and say, like, oh, this is the reason why. So I hate to kind of give a, a non-answer, but I think both are to blame. Like, I think equal blame right now when it comes to this this pass protection uh, struggles, I think half it has to be on Matt Ryan, half has to be on the offensive lines. I think we saw Sunday. I think Sunday was a perfect encapsulation because you saw in the first uh, fumble you mentioned on fourth down when Matt Ryan was blindsided. I, not being a coach, so just speculating, will put that more on Matt Ryan. It was an edge blitz. Jonathan Taylor went to the left side to block. The, the free blitzer came on the right side. Matt Ryan has to see that. Like, you have to be able to diagnose where the blitzers are coming from and get either the offensive line to slide in that direction or get your running back to be over there to, to chip block or just take them one-on-one to prevent that. Like, that was one of those where they Colts had it. Like, the play was there. They should have converted that fourth down, but because of either Matt Ryan not seeing the blitz or getting confused and sending Jonathan Taylor the wrong way or Jonathan Taylor just flat out missing the assignment and him going the wrong way, whatever it was, End of the day, that's a free rusher coming off the edge. I think the quarterback has to be the one to take that one. But then later on in the game, a costly sack in the fourth quarter that pushed the Colts back um, and made um, Chase McLaughlin's field goal even longer, the one that came you know, right through the A-gap. Like, if you're Ryan Kelly, he's the, the Chiefs defenders lined up right over your helmet. Like he wasn't disguising what he where he was coming from. It wasn't a delayed blitz. This was telegraphing, I am going right through the A-gap. And as soon as the ball is snapped, Ryan Kelly goes to his right hell about Danny Pinter and the Chiefs defender runs right at the middle, sacks Matt Ryan, he didn't have a chance. So it's like, that is obviously, has to be in the center because it's right in front of you. You're responsible for uh, a lot of protections up front, you know, especially within the five guys as well. Both are to blame because right now we've seen different circumstances just in Sunday alone where he's either free rusher off the edge or a guy right up the middle coming scot-free and giving Matt Ryan not a chance to get out of it or just throw the ball away.
Yeah, and, and what you hear from the Colts over and over right now is communication issues. And I think specifically it's what you're talking about, guys not being on the same page. You know, the quarterback's thinking one thing, the line's thinking another thing, the running backs might be thinking a third thing. And what's happening is free rushers are coming too often as a result of this. And, and they're not always coming from where Matt Ryan expects them to come from. And again, it really doesn't matter. You know, like we said, we're going to play the blame game because that's what you do. It really doesn't matter who's making the mistakes. The fact that you've had this many free rushers has to be fixed. You know, right. whoever it is, you've got to come up with a way to fix it. And and the fact that he's not often knowing where that free rusher is coming from has to be fixed. Uh, it's just killing the offense. I think it's obvious. Anybody, you could sit anybody down. They could be watching their first football game in, in their life. And they're going to understand this pass protection is the biggest issue with this team. Uh, and it really sounds like it's just getting on the same page. And that it, look, it's a complicated process. I don't know if people really understand how that goes. You call the play in the huddle and then you get to the line of scrimmage. And in the Colts situation, the center, Ryan Kelly's calling out the protection based on what he sees from the defense and the play they know they've got called. And it sounds like right now the disconnect's coming in that at that point. When they're at the line of scrimmage and Ryan Kelly's calling out the protection, either some of the other guys are not understanding what he's calling and not understanding their roles, or they're not on the same page. It's sort of similar to, you know, the quarterback wide receiver dynamic, throw an interception. Sometimes the, the receiver wasn't didn't read the same thing that the quarterback read and, and the you know the ball's in the wrong place as a result. I think that's what's happening with pass protection right now. Kelly and Ryan the rest of that offensive line and the running back, whoever's in there, most of the time it's Jonathan Taylor. They all have to be on the same page. And I think that that first one you're talking about is a perfect example. Where was the breakdown? Probably on Matt Ryan, but definitely somewhere in there, somebody wasn't on the same page because Taylor went one way. The free rusher came from the other way. Obviously, that's not the way it's drawn up. Right. I mean, you know, and it so, cost you a first down and cost you a lot of yards on the fumble. Yeah. You know, and, and points. Ultimately, right. because yeah. Kansas City then cashes it in. So, uh, and that's why when I say things could get better in a hurry, if these communication issues get synced up, then all of a sudden that's a first down. If that's a first down, where does that drive in? Who knows? But we can't know right now because the, the protection in general for everybody involved in it has just been so far below where it needs to be uh, that it's almost impossible to even try to diagnose the rest of the offense. It's both encouraging and maddening because I think it is like it's a it's a communication issue, not a talent issue, right? The Colts' offensive line doesn't suck. All Ryan Kelly and, and Quentin Nelson and Brandon all of a sudden haven't regressed in their talent where they just can't block anyone. I thought Frank Reich even mentioned on Monday made a good point when he was rewatching the game. The Colts when it was five on five, he thought blocked really well, and I would agree. I remember I tweeted out in the first half when there was just a five man rush or even a four man rush. When the Colts had one-on-one -on -one opportunities, I thought almost everywhere across the line, for the most part, for the most part, did pretty well in holding up and giving Matt Ryan time. It's when, like you said, the blitz comes, and all of a sudden now it's, am I sliding this way? Am I sliding that way? Double teaming here. Like, it's the communication, like you said, which is maddening because you've had all the training camp. You've had some preseason games. We're talking about now going into week four of the NFL. I get it's new. I get Matt Ryan's learning a new language for the first time. Um, since being really being drafted, right in 08, uh, I know he's you know there's some head coach changes, but for the most part, he's been within the same scheme of the Falcons for a long time, and now you're going to a brand new system. But it's also like we're we're sitting here in week four, George. Like these communication issues should not be happening, especially when we're talking about if the communication disconnected between Ryan Kelly and Matt Ryan. Ryan Kelly is not new. 
Like, you know, he's been in the system a very long time. He, if anyone, should know and maybe should take charge early on of making sure the protections are set and making sure he's guiding Matt Ryan in the proper, you know, place to make sure everything's on the same page instead of right now what's going on where they're going one way, Matt Ryan's going the other way, and like I said, there's free blitzers running all over the place. So it's encouraging because, like, like I said, they're able to iron these communication issues out. The outfit should be a lot better really quickly. It's just how quick can you get it done? I really hope this is the, the last we're talking about this, but there's really no way to know until we get to week four and see how they look against this Titans team. And you had better get it fixed quick against this Titans team because I'm telling you right now, Jeffrey Simmons will feast. If you have these kind of problems in the A-gap that they have had, uh, you might see Nick Foles in the game on Sunday if these communication continue because uh, Matt Ryan might be on the bench due to, to health issues at that point. I mean, look, right now he's on pace to get sacked 68 times. The last Great. time that happened was David Carr. And when you're in the same sentence in terms of sacks with David Carr, you're having a bad year. We're talking about even surpassing some of Andrew Luck's sack totals, and we saw him get hit a lot. That's where it's just like totally, like I said, alarming. One thing I also found interesting, George, speaking going back to Matt uh, Frank Reich's press conference on Monday, he mentioned that for the most part, he thought Matt Ryan's protection were pretty good. He said, obviously, there's a few you want back, but for the most part, he thought Matt Ryan has done a good job so far in terms of setting the protection and calling it out. If that's the case, what is going on in this offensive line where I get there's two new starters, right, Matt Pryor and Danny Pinner, I get that, but you have three veterans that have played a lot of football together. If Frank is right, he may be covering for Matt Ryan. I don't know. If Frank is right where Matt Ryan, for the most part, has done a good job, what are we doing here? Uh, like, I, what is going on then? I think it's different things every week. You know, it's just a, a gut feeling. But, like, I think this week it felt like Ryan Kelly was really, really concerned with Chris Jones and was trying to get over there as quickly as possible to help out Danny Pinner. And like on that one that you mentioned, I think that's exactly what he was doing, going over to double Chris Jones and now guys coming right up the middle. Uh, and I think that's where it's it's that miscommunication. It's that disconnect that's going on of, hey, you know what? This is the protection that we've called. I can't double Chris Jones here. And the frustrating thing about that is, as you said, Ryan Kelly's a veteran center. Matt Ryan has seen everything there is to see in the NFL and, and more. Uh, it, it's frustrating when you got two veteran guys who are kind of at the heart of this because everybody's involved. There's me. They have meetings every week with the tight ends, the wide receivers, the running backs, the offensive line, the quarterback are all in there specifically about what they're going to do this particular week against this particular opponent, how they're going to run the pass protections. But at the end of the day, the two most important guys are the center and the quarterback. And you've got two guys who have been doing this for a long time in the NFL. And it's very frustrating to see it continue, not just to be a problem. It's a massive problem. I mean, we're not talking about something that's, just been kind of a little irritant. This is killing the offense at this point. It's their biggest weakness. Like I would say it's a right. Like the, the, the receivers have question marks. You know, the defensive line's been a little bit inconsistent, but I would say right now through three weeks, you, you point the biggest weakness for the Colts. It's our offensive line. It's a pass blocking. It, it's, it should yeah, not it, be that way. Absolutely not. And so how do you fix these communication issues? You know, you have those meetings every week and it's not working. I, I don't, somebody's got to step forward. And to me, that ultimately, look, the buck always ends with your quarterback, right? At some point, Matt Ryan has to step forward and just say, enough is enough. This is what we're doing. He knows what it looks like. He knows what it takes. He didn't survive 14 years in the NFL and only missed three games because he doesn't understand pass protection. He's right. got to just now get out there and demand it. And in this, that's what your leaders do. You know what I mean? He's got to get in there and say, enough is enough. 
we're going to get on the same page, whatever that takes. If they've got a, I don't know if they have to have an overnight camp or something. I don't know what it's going to take <laughs> to get everybody on the same page, but it, it needs to happen yesterday. Let me ask you this. You mentioned before on the, the, the one blitz or the one player talking about where the, the free blitz came right up the middle. Ryan Kelly went to his right. How about Danny Pinter? It's been obvious on the offensive line. The one guy that's been struggling the most has been Danny Pinter. Is it fair to call Sunday against the Titans his last stand? Now, they're not going to make a change, most likely, going to the short week against the Broncos. But through three weeks, he's been the one that's consistently been struggling. If it's another bad outing on Sunday, is that kind of is this his last kind of chance? Oh, we're going to roll with the starting five. And if the same thing happens on Sunday against the Titans that we saw last week against the Chiefs, a change has to be made. I would say yes, by the way. How about you? Yeah, I agree with that. I think you said... I think it was last week that you said, you know, if they're going to make some personnel changes on the line, it's probably going to come after that Denver game because you get that extra kind of the the mini buy weekend right. that kind of helps you out in that situation. Uh, and I think part of this is just figuring out what you want to do. You know, do you just want to sub in, say, Will Fries and, and just go from there? The other four are in. That's, that's the quickest fix. Do you want to maybe move Matt Pryor there and put Bernard Raymond? Do you feel confident enough in him if he's healthy? You know, he missed the game this week with, with the uh, ankle injury. So you you feel like he can handle the left tackle spot right now and you move prior over. Now you're possibly messing with two spots. And I'll tell you, there's one thing they did in training camp that raised our eyebrows when they did it. We wondered why they were doing it then, uh, that we still can't get out of our heads. The guys on the beat, uh, the idea of moving Braden Smith into right guard and maybe having Raymond and, and prior as the tackles, uh, that's an even more extreme situation. But you know, I think those are all the things you're kind of evaluating. And, and and like you said, I think that's the kind of thing you've got to kind of keep looking at it. Uh, but it's probably going to have to come after that Broncos game. And look, maybe Danny Pinner, maybe it's a communication issue with him as well. Maybe he's the guy more often than not. I mean, Ryan Kelly said they need five as one. They've had four as one on a lot of snaps. I don't think he's specifically hmm. ruling out Danny Pinner. In fact, he said it wasn't always the same one guy. Uh, but I think, you know, maybe he just needs to to come along a little bit in that regard and he can improve. Uh, but whatever it takes, you've reached a point that something needs to be done. And and that's why I agree with you that it's sort of a last stand situation, because obviously the easiest thing is for him to just get back to where he was a year ago at center, playing really good football and, and you know, helping out this line. Uh, and you give him that opportunity. But th that clock's ticking. It has to be ticking. Uh, 68 sacks is such an unbelievable number. Uh, you, you can't let that become a reality. And like you mentioned before, this Colts offense can't function. It's not functioning right now whatsoever. So like I said, we've seen enough. There's something where something has to change. Like I said, I think, th I think four games is fair to evaluate everyone and say, all right, we've given you an opportunity. We've gotten, you know, allow you to get your rust uh, off. I will say one thing I'm interested in, and that's why I kind of circled this Titans game coming week four is a very interesting point for the, the offense line specifically. Because now with basically most teams not really taking preseason games seriously. And we saw the Colts again. They were one of the few teams that will say took it more seriously than others. They played what is a, a two, three series in the Buffalo game, basically a quarter and a half against the Buccaneers. And that was really it. The one area or the one unit that does tend to kind of get off to the slower start is the offensive line. Because really in training camp, there's no true way to kind of get going unless you're just banging bodies against bodies. And there's not a lot of contact in training camp. So I will give the grace period of three games to say, okay, 
knock some rust off, kind of get back to you, you know, your playing shape, get back to communications, and maybe just Danny Painter. Maybe it's not a communication, but it's just a talent issue. And he just, you know, needed a little time to get his feet wet. Now he's more comfortable in a new position at right guard full time. But I think that's where this game is really going to kind of be the breaking point where either you see a turning point for the good or like you mentioned, you see a turning point for the bad. And one of those combinations you mentioned, swinging Ryman out to left tackle, swinging prior inside, taking Will Fries, just replacing him with Danny Pinter. There's a bunch of different, you know, combinations you can do here. that The Colts have flexibility with. But I think it's time to start exploring that if we're sitting here after Sunday's game talking about the same offensive line problems we were talking about in week three, week two, and week one. Now this is kind of really the, the, the last stand, if you will. This is the breaking point for this offensive line to either get it going or something has to change. Yeah, and we've always kind of looked at this week four game. Even when we thought the Colts would get off to a better start, we always kind of right. looked at this week four game in Tennessee is, is a huge crucible for the season because the Colts haven't beaten the Titans. I mean, let's just be honest. They haven't beaten the Titans recently, uh, and you've got to win these games in a division. And this year, more than any other, with five of the six division games coming in the first seven weeks of the season, you can't afford to give any more of these games away. You missed an opportunity to win down in Houston. You got whipped down in Jacksonville. Now you're at home. You've got to win this game, uh, and and you've got it. We've seen throughout the entire time Frank Reich's here, this team's best performance has come when the offensive line is playing at its best. Absolutely. Speaking of the division, George, a big divisional game coming up this weekend against the Titans. Is the AFC South through three games, the Colts are 1-1 one right now in second place. Is it still their division to lose? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Download the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcast. So, George, the Colts are 1-1-1, one, 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 second place right now in the AFC. I thought it was fascinating because when you look at some power rankings uh, heading to week number four, ESPN has the Colts ranked 20th in the NFL. I think fair to say. When you look at the AFC South uh, opponents ahead of them, they have the Jaguars ranked 13th. They have the Titans ahead of the Colts who are 1-2. They have them 18th. The Athletic kind of had similar rankings. Colts 20th. But the Jags ahead of the Colts at number nine in the athletic power rankings and the Titans 19th. So the Colts are now in two different publications in terms of power rankings are third amongst AFC South teams. Through three games, seen some bad, some good. Would you still say the AFC South is the Colts to lose or would you switch that to the Jaguars or the Titans? I think right now the Jaguars are the best team in the division through three weeks. When you see what they've got, they've got the best win with that 28-point win over the uh, Chargers on Sunday. They, yep. they beat the Colts handily at home uh, and took care of business there. I, I have no problem with the Jaguars being ahead of the Colts right now in the power rankings. I don't know how you would put that any other way. Uh, they've got a better record. 
They won the head-to-head decisively. Uh, I have no issues with that. I think the Titans and the Colts are really close together. Uh, you know, they've had very similar seasons so far. They both have one really bad loss. Uh, they both had a, a non-win that they prob- that was due at least in part to a missed field goal. And then they both have a pretty good home win over what people think will be a good football team. I would put the Colts ahead right now simply because I think their win is a little more impressive than the Titans' one win right now. Uh, but that's semantics. That's, that's you know, I don't think it's nearly as decisive as it is between Jacksonville and Indy right now. But the other thing about Jacksonville is, and, and this is what I want to see going forward with them, they've never really been in this position before. They've got a target on their back. When's the last time that happened? You know, maybe 2017. Uh, it's going to be interesting how they respond now that they have expectations. Uh, they've been the underdog. They, they've been counted out. Now they're leading the division. They're going to go play a huge game in Philadelphia on Sunday where the Eagles are off to a great start. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Jaguars respond. I, I feel like three of the four teams in this division right now still have a realistic chance uh, to win this division. You're counting the Texans out already, huh? Yeah, I mean, look, they're fighting hard. <laughs> I'll give them that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't like the Texans' chances. Yeah. Next year with C.J. Stroud. Next year with C.J. Stroud. That could be a dangerous team for sure. Um, you're right about that. So I'll say this. I would say right now, yes, the Jaguars, obviously, without a doubt, ha- should and are ranked ahead of the Colts. That's without question. I, though, for two reasons, I'm going to say this is still a Colts division to lose. Number one, I think the Colts ceiling, when everything's clicking, is higher than the Jaguars. I think just their talent is better. Like you mentioned, the Jaguars haven't been here in a while. Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I think he'd be really good. And I was kind of anticipating a Jaguars bounce back season this year of seven or eight wins. So, so far, they're you know kind of looking towards that. Their defense, obviously, is loaded with a lot of young talent, especially on the defensive line. But look at their secondary. Look at some of their playmakers outside the offensive line, like, I still have questions about the Jacksonville town when it comes to winning this division, whereas the Colts, obviously we kind of talked the last 40 minutes or so, the talent is there. It's really communication or anything else. Like if this offensive line and Matt Ryan can get on the same page for pass protection, I think this offense is going to take off. They're going to be a lot better. The defense is being pretty stout and kind of showed you there's reason to believe that they'll continue um, to be pretty good throughout the rest of the season, especially when Shaq Leonard comes back. So I think right now I will still give the Colts the edge over the Jaguars, even though they lost once already, because I think their ceiling is higher than the Jaguars for the season. The other thing is we've always talked about the Colts' struggles in Jacksonville, rightfully so. They lost again in Jacksonville early in week number two. But let's also not forget, now the Jags have to come to Indy in week number six. The Colts have done very well against the Jaguars at home in Indy. They're 8-2 and two in the last 10 meetings in Indianapolis against Jacksonville. So they have done a very good job of beating the Jags at home, even though they can't beat them on the road for whatever reason. Right? Maybe one day we'll get to the bottom of it. But right now, we cannot for the life of us figure out why there's a hex pulling the seam when they go down to Florida. But the Jags come you know, to Indy in a few weeks. That should be a game right now where, I mean, right now, coming off the Chiefs win, I feel pretty good they can have a bounce-back effort and win that game. And if that's the case, you slow with Jacksonville, Okay, now you're all of a sudden talking about a tiebreaker that you know is taken away from the Jaguars, which makes it a little bit harder for them to pull away. Um, so for that, for those two reasons, because I think the Colts are a really good team at home against the Jaguars, and I think their ceiling is higher, I will still give the Colts advantage over the Jags. I still think they're a better team than the Titans as well. I didn't mention them at all. But the Titans, you look at the injuries now. Taylor Lewan's going to be out for the rest of the year. Tough loss to them on the offensive line. We'll talk about this more on Thursday, but Derek Henry really has not gotten going um whatsoever for the most part on the ground i do think the titans 
Um, or I should say, I think the Colts are a better team even right now than the Titans. I think ESPN and the Athletic both got it wrong. I think the Colts should be ahead of Tennessee. But like I said, the win is better. And the the tenant the tight look the, uh, the Giants the Texans you want to kind of argue how good are either I know that the Texans uh, or the Colts tied uh, Titans lost on the Colts right now resume if you will is a little bit more impressive than what the Titans have so far so I would say the Colts are better than them but I would still right now lean towards even though it's been ugly for most of the season I would still lean towards this this division right now still being the Colts to lose. Yeah, you know, I I see all those points, and I think they're all really valid points. Uh, I just think the next four weeks are crucial for this football team. We we talked about the first seven games over and over and over at, at the start of the year, uh, and these last four now of that stretch, three of them are against division opponents, uh, two of them are against Tennessee, who you've just not been able to be here or there really in, in the last couple of years. I think they're one and three against Tennessee. Uh, over the last two seasons, and and that's a big part of the reason why Tennessee won the division those two years. And then Jacksonville's the other one. Those are must-win games. You've got to find a way to take control of this division. The only way you do that is to win those three football games, and two of them are at home at Lucas Oil Stadium. And that's what we talked about last week. Can you have a better home field advantage this year? Great start beating the Chiefs, uh, getting to 1-0. But your next two home games are against division opponents, yes. and – you just got to take care of business. Would you sign up in the next four games? Titans, Broncos, Jaguars at the Titans. Would you sign up for two and two to take this Colts to three, three and one? Or are you saying at the next four games, this is a Colts team with those four opponents should go three and one? I think they've got to find a way to go three and one. I really do. I think I, you've got to win the division games. I, I You, you kind of took away your margin for error because of that tie in Houston and a loss in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, what do we say at the beginning of the year? Five and one in the division, you know, probably would, would be a good showing and, and get you there. We can't do that now. Uh, and so four, one and one is the best you can be in the division. And I think that's what you've really got to shoot for. Uh, you can win it without doing that. But I just feel like you've got to have that in mind. These three division games in the next four games are just of utmost importance to this football team. You can you can come back from it. They've done it before. Uh, but there's just. They've already dug a little bit of a hole this year. It's a tough road to come back from. You see how tired they are at the end of these seasons when they have to dig out of these these giant holes. Just take care of business and and put yourself in that position, you know, to be the one being chased for the first time in in several years. You know, I would agree with you. Actually, I think you're right. I was gonna say two and two to to out of the next four, I would take. But you are right. Like, I mean, we both expect this team to be better, and they are a better team than what they've shown so far. The Titans are beat up, and they're, I think, talent-wise, less than the Colts. The Broncos right now, I mean, they are. If, if the Colts are the worst offense in the NFL, the Broncos are right now the second-worst offense. They've been just awful so far trying to put the ball in the end zone. And the Jaguars at home, you're right. You need to find a way to go 3-1. You kind of lost any sort of, of early-season momentum when you tied and you lost. And like you say, you kind of throw the margin for out the window right away. You're right. These next four games, to salvage right now that awful start, Colts have to go 3-1 and one and kind of take their record so would that be four, one, and one? That's respectfully after the first seven games. Not exactly how he would draw it up, per se, but that would definitely you would take, uh, or at least four, two, and one, excuse me, the first seven games, you would take that for sure. So it's going to be uh, a big one here on Sunday for sure. Kind of there, a big four-game stretch. Starts with Tennessee coming to town. They mentioned the Colts have lost three straight to the Titans. So we'll preview that game and what is going to be an immensely 
massive game for the Colts, kind of turn their season around. Uh, so we'll preview that game uh, on Friday. But between now and then, make sure you follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Get juiced up. There's a little life in the Colts. Can they continue to keep it rolling? We'll discuss and give you our thoughts on the Colts-Titans game when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns later in the week.